The Perfect Ten with Steve Allen, voice of the NRL and six-time Radio Award winner. Welcome to part two with basketball legend Ian Moose Rebilliard, OAM. This episode, Moose elaborates on a turbulent time in his career when he was head coach of his former club. He also names his all-time NBA starting five. And this is going to be really tough. Right now, he names his best ever Sydney Kings lineup. I'd put Carfino in the, the point guard. Uh, I'd put Mark Ridlin as our centre. Uh, you'd have Dwayne McLean, the, the D train. He was he was just outstanding. I've got a spot, soft spot for both Dalton boys. Brad and Mark were great players. Um, just very physical, but um, had Sydney Sydney at heart. And um, I've, I'm sure I'm going to miss a, a few. But you know the the sixth man uh, in in that type of in- environment. I'd go with someone like a Glenn Dunsmore or an Ian Davies or someone along those lines. I mean, they're they're all good players, and uh, yeah, it's hard to hard to throw them out there straight off the top of my head. Who was the best defensive player uh, that you saw at the Kings? Well, he was a pest by name and nature. <laughs> he got under people's skin a lot, and that's probably Tim Morrissey. You know, like he he was just an annoyance, and you just thank thankful that he was on your side. And uh, I mean, he he copped a fair harassing when he'd travel. Certainly in Melbourne, they they disliked him a lot. Mark Dalton was another one that comes to mind. Just total uncompromising player a big body but a very very uh, determined defender Tang would be up there as as one of the best as well. We mentioned earlier about Luke Longley and his role with Chicago and I guess he was a real trailblazer and Andrew Gay spent time over there I know he's got a championship ring Uh, why did it take so long in your opinion for so many Aussies to bust down the doors in the NBA? Oh it's a good question I guess we were never regarded uh, as a country that produced basketball players. Longley is a great example of just a fellow you know obviously has the physique I mean he's a man mountain he's not quite a Utah well he's taller than Utah and probably more skilled than Dean but he was a real role player and I think you know all credit to Phil Jackson at Chicago at the time understood the worth of people that would play a role Australians are very good at that so now you see the proliferation of Australian players in you know US teams like your son in in water polo and they're appreciated because of just the nature of how Australians play sport and it's a it's a quality that's now being well uh, well regarded and well understood overseas and uh, it's a credit to the Australian sports system not sure how you'll do this but have you got an NBA starting five and and a sixth man as well oh wow now now you're really testing me. I'd, I'd, I'd put Larry Bird, Magic, Jordan, Pippen and Horace Grant as my starting five. Uh, sixth man, gosh, that's really hard. Maybe Kobe. He'd probably force his way into the starting five, but how could you leave him out in light of the current situation? So, uh, yeah, I'd put Kobe Bryant in there. The saddest day in world sport, no doubt about it, just a few weeks ago. Well, it is, and in fact, I, you interviewed me on the NBN the other night, and I'd just come from a, a weekend away with a mate that is actually not expected to, to really live too much longer, and I played with him in an Australian side. So it was very uh, raw for me what happened to Kobe because I've got a mate going through that cancer, his treatment. He actually 
actually died twice before Christmas. He was revived both times and um, we had a weekend where we could relive some of our past glories with him. And uh, so that was very special and uh, it just shows you how tenuous our, our hold on, on life is. And, um, you know, obviously, Kobe, that accident was just a tragedy and uh, the reverberations felt around the world. Can you give your mate a shout out on the perfect 10? Well, he's, uh, he played professionally. Jeff Patterson is his name. Pato is a great mate. Played for Australia, represented New South Wales many, many times and played professionally in Newcastle. Bit of history, he was the first player ever sent off in a National Basketball League game, but he took uh, Al Green <laughs> with him uh, from the West, uh, West Adelaide Razorbacks and I think it was Dwayne Nelson, the other guy that got sent off. So we thought it was a two-for-one deal and we, <laughs> we thought we did pretty well out of that. So Moose, I guess you're the forerunner for a lot of people that want to work in sport their entire life. You started doing it as soon as you left the sport and spent over a decade at the PGA. Tell us more. Yeah, so I was, I was actually coaching at the Kings when a job came up at the PGA. I was teaching as well. So I was teaching, travelling to Alexandria. So the long, long days coaching uh, when a job at the PGA came up. And I, I was kind of burnt out as a teacher, um, which sounds probably a little bit tenuous, I suppose. <laughs> But they were long days, so I applied to get a job at the PGA, um, and I ended up there. I enjoyed my time there. I learned, I mean, they were paying me to learn, and I learned for 10 years. I was the National Education Director, so I was able to transfer my knowledge of professional sport and education into the PGA, the Australian Coaching Council, so I, did, I really enjoyed that job. Uh, I ended up as 2IC of the PGA, and that was a great learning curve under a great mentor in Max Garsky, uh, who was the CEO, very well before his time as a leading sports administrator, underrated, uh, could manage a board very well, could inform a board of uh, strategic decisions that needed to be made in, in the sport to advance the association forward. So I felt really privileged to to have had that grounding in business um, under a, a guy that just knew so much. Any regrets moving on? I don't certainly regret uh, leaving the PGA because I was able to commence a business up here that's really changed the lives of a lot of people. I just want to touch on your coaching at the Sydney Kings. Bob Turner said that he was looking for a man that had competitiveness, a motivator, a leader of men, and great people and media skills to handle the pressure cooker of Sydney. And you were that man for a couple of seasons. Uh, how do you reflect on that? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, well, did it mention I was meant to coach? <laughs> Look, it's a difficult market, um, probably compounded by the fact that when the Kings were rebirthed after the uh, license being taken away from them, um, there was a high expectation um it was a really difficult time because we had 15 owners um you know if you think about that i, th I think that's the people skill because you had to you had to deal with your owners they were equity owners so it wasn't an offer profit it was all about winning and it was all about trying to make the club profitable but we had some challenges just in terms of talent depth but we unearthed some of the best players that the nbl have seen you know, Julian Kazoo, world class, Benny, Benny Madgen. I've got a great soft spot for Kevin White, you know, a name that people won't know. But if you're building a team, yeah, you need to have his name in, in, your, in your thoughts. Um, Anatoly Bose, Jeray Grant. You know, there's a lot of great players that we unearthed. And, and it was exciting times. It was a challenge. It was certainly different to uh, working on the Central Coast because you are under everyone's spotlight. Uh, there's a lot of experts that sit in the uh, in the stands that are very quick to offer you advice. 
um, you know, which is part of being a fan. But I'd politely tell them that they should stay in the stands and they earn zero. And it's just that's a bit of annoyance, as you could probably tell. Um, but then on the flip side, there's a lot of fans that do love the work you were doing. What does the Kings mean to you? Uh, it's an iconic brand I played for. Um, I coached and I was a CEO of the club. I'm the only person in the club's history to have done all three. So I'm very, very proud to have done it. I hope they win this year because uh, I, I know Paul Smith very well and he's put his money where his mouth is. He took a, a, great, a, a great judge of character in the appointment of Will Weaver uh, as their coach. Uh, he's got great support with Bogut leading the way and he has a team full of talent. My only criticism, I would love to see more Sydney-based, New South Wales-based players wearing that colour. Is one of your proudest moments in basketball seeing your son win locally, winning a senior championship? They scaled the mountain. Well, it was um, because, I mean, it was 10 years in the making. So it's, you know, a decade to get uh, to a point where you even got a chance to win. You know, it was great to have Chris Olback coaching and Julian Kazoo involved, two very, very good coaches. The appointment of Ollie as the team captain after some changes, I stepped out of all those decisions. But I knew that he had the ability as a young man to lead that team, and he did an exceptional job. Uh, he's an underrated player, but he's won seven state titles. It's incredibly uh, amazing, and I'm incredibly proud of not just Ollie, but that whole group of guys that stuck at it. And the celebrations are still going on, even though we're now back in preseason. It it was monumental for for the sport up here. When I say the word basketball, what are the first words that come to mind? Bloody great game. Moose Rebellion, thanks for joining us on The Perfect Ten. Thanks very much, Steve. I'll uh, look forward to listening to the edits. <laughs> that is basketball legend Ian Moose Rebellion, OAM, an absolute champion on and off the court. And for over a decade, he's been a fantastic mate. Hope you've enjoyed this edition of The Perfect Ten. We'll catch you next time. The Perfect Ten.